With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome everyone to Rock'em Nation Podcast. Uh, this is Sam Snelling. I am your host today. We've got an episode of In the Short Corner. Uh, we're going to talk some St. Louis recruiting, Mizzou recruiting. Uh, I, on the line with me is uh, my man, AJ Blankenship. Uh, AJ is a recruiting reporter for PowerMizzou.com. Does a really good job over there. Uh, for a long time, you could also uh, kind of keep in track, uh, keep in touch with. Uh, his thoughts and whatnot when he was sort of running things over at 314 Hoops, uh, one of my favorite uh, follows on Twitter uh, as I'm a local basketball nut. Uh, but you can follow AJ on Twitter at AJ underscore blank 13. AJ, how are you doing, man? I'm doing really well, Sam. I appreciate you having me on. Excited to talk basketball as always. Well, for me, basketball season is year-round, so uh, I'm always trying to find different topics that we can cover, and uh, we we hit a bit of a news cycle tonight, uh, which is actually Tuesday nights at my normal podcast recording night, so it sort of fit. Um, there was a, a slightly known recruit by the name of Caleb Love, a five-star kid from St. Louis, CBC High School, uh, committed tonight to play for North Carolina. Um you're somebody who's who's watched a lot of Caleb Love over the years. You're, you're very familiar with his game. Um, how surprising, uh, and and I, I, I want to phrase this in a way that expands the question a little deeper than just like, how surprised are you that he chose North Carolina? Well, nobody is when you take into factor of like the last three <laughs> right. or four months, right? So we, I right. think we all knew he was going to North Carolina. What I mean is how surprised are you that the Caleb Love that you saw uh, – the first time or second time, maybe as a freshman, sophomore in high school, turned into a guy uh, that Roy Williams absolutely had to have as part of his class? Frankly, not that surprised at all. I mean, I, I remember watching Caleb Love as a freshman and, and looking across to, to one of my buddies at the game and saying, this kid's special. Um, I I remember probably his, his greatest performance to date against your Webster Statesman as ah, a sophomore yeah. in, uh, in the state playoffs. He scored 40 points against Courtney Ramey and Cartier Gordon. And I mean, that's, that's as a sophomore. I mean, this the kid was born to score the basketball, and it just was not surprising in the least to see him elevate to be that kind of player bound for the ACC. Yeah, I think the, uh, the I remember watching that game. I couldn't get in the building, so I watched online and uh, and it was at that moment when you because you know and I know how competitive Courtney Ramey is, uh, and so when I saw Caleb Love like not backing down an inch uh, to Courtney Ramey, who at the time was you know a top fifty kid and had all kinds of coaches in the gym, you know, trying to get him to go to, to their school. Uh, and he didn't back down. I'm just like, that's when I, I kind of knew this is like, all right, so Caleb Love is definitely going to be for real. Um, so w- what sort of impact do you think that this is going to have on uh, Missouri and, and and their approach to sort of recruiting 
um, I guess maybe some of these higher level kids out of St. Louis. Uh, in regards to the high level kids out of St. Louis, you know, I think they they can't waver at all. You know, you're seeing them build some inroads with these kids. Obviously, they didn't finish where they wanted to with some of the more recent ones. Courtney Ramey to Texas, EJ Liddell to Ohio State, Caleb Love to North Carolina. You know, they're not finishing with the elite kids yet, but almost every kid we hear commit somewhere else speaks on how they built such a great relationship with Conzo Martin. Listen to Caleb Love's interview from tonight after he committed to North Carolina, and you could just hear it. It was very difficult for him to turn down Missouri. He said his best relationship with the coach was with Conzo Martin. So it's going to come down to just continuing this approach, but they have to finish eventually. You know, progress means very little without results. So um, we'll see what happens with these upcoming classes. There's not a lot of elite kids in 2021, but, you know, maybe some of the local 2022 kids, uh, Conzo can start landing them. Yeah, I, I'm kind of interested. Uh, one of the things that I sort of put out on Twitter, um, you know, very sort of quickly after, you know, Matter was, I, I think Dave Matter was around for the, uh, you know, the interview. And, and he mentioned that thing and what Caleb said about about the relationship that he had with Missouri. Uh, and I, I sort of said that, I, you know, I, I think people will automatically scoff at, you know, me saying this, but the the relationship level and like what that means for a player and and a and a coach who's recruiting that player to have that level of relationship like eventually that is going to pay off. Um, the 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 difficulty for Missouri right now um, is there really isn't any success uh, to show uh, <laughs> for. For these kids, you know, especially like the high level kids that have options like North Carolina or, or you know, if it's Duke or Kentucky or uh, whoever, like it's it's different when um, when you're the first getting on to uh, onto campus, like Conzo Martin gets the job and, and he, he lands, you know, a top five recruiting class. I mean, it helps when you hire a kid's dad and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it really takes a special kind of player to buy into. Uh, something that isn't really fully materialized uh, when your options are blue bloods where you know you're going to plug and play and, and win you know, 28, 29 games in front of 20,000 people a night. Absolutely. I mean, it, if you're Caleb Love, why would you choose Missouri? You know, I I know everybody kind of takes the thought process of, oh, growing up, what's your dream school, whatever. For a lot of these kids, their dream school is not Missouri. I mean, Missouri's had some success. We saw, you know, that great 2012 team season obviously ended unfortunately and whatnot. But for a lot of these kids, they don't know Missouri as a good basketball program. So for them, their dream school probably isn't Missouri, even though it's the the hometown school. They don't see that on court success. If I'm a kid growing up in St. Louis right now, and I have the opportunity to go play at a blue blood. Absolutely, I'm taking that opportunity. And and that's not to say that some kids aren't going to stay home, but it's going to take at least tournament appearances. You know, you're, it's very very difficult to get these kids to buy into a program that's not even going to the big dance. Yeah, and and I think that's where both the uh, injuries to Michael Porter Jr. and Jonte have, have almost uh, snake bit the program a little bit is, you know, 
I think Conza Martin made all the right moves in bringing in the kind of talent that that was sort of going to patch over a lot of the the holes with depth uh, that they had, you know, sort of coming out of the Commander Snera. Um and and they were able to sort of I don't know at least build a little bit of a bridge over that, and then that bridge collapsed, um, and it sort of went back to the reality of like, oh no, this is a, a real rebuild. But you know, the good news is. He was able to make enough inroads with you know quite a few St. Louis area recruits, um, and sort of put Missouri into a position, um, you know, with some local kids that that hopefully can kind of get this program to uh, to where it maybe needs to be or maybe where fans want it to be. Um, and so the, one of the questions that I always sort of have uh, for you know a lot of the basketball people is is. I think this is something where we're going to be looking at Missouri uh, making the tournament for several years in a row and then hopefully finding a way within those two, three, four, five trips to sort of take a step beyond being like an eight, nine seed and being like a four to six seed uh, and maybe from a four to six seed at that point to, uh, to beyond. Um, So, Kind of pivoting back to recruiting, because I know that's why we're kind of bringing you here. Um, like, what sort of uh, impact guys from the St. Louis area uh, do you see kind of taking the next step uh, as far as the guys that are currently on the roster? As far as the guys currently on the roster at Mizzou? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the big one I look at is is Torrance Watson. Um, we saw him kind of break out towards the end of last year as, as a really gifted scorer, and uh, I wasn't sure how ready he was to play right away coming out of uh, Whitfield. You know, class three to SEC basketball is a pretty big jump, and, and Torrance isn't always the most fluid athlete on the court. So we saw some of those growing pains early in the season with him, but he really grew as a scorer as the season went on. And I look for that to continue really into this next year. I think when you look at a guy like Pickett, um, he's going to be best served throughout his four years as as just an energy guy for this team um he, he's going to get you the occasional big scoring game you know we saw it against illinois last year and uh he's he's an energy guy he's a defender he, he's going to get after it and torrance is kind of more of that player that i think by the time it's all said and done he can be your leading scorer um not this year, but by the time his career is over. So I really look for that step from Torrance Watson. I think he's a really gifted scorer, and, and I think that's something that Missouri desperately needs is a reliable scorer. Obviously, they've got that in Mark Smith's shooting ability, but I'd look for Torrance to take the jump as kind of that secondary option. So kind of pivoting forward, um, obviously losing Caleb Love is a big miss. Uh Earlier this summer, they missed out on Cameron Fletcher, who's another St. Louis area kid. Uh, this was sort of a year that I think a lot of Missouri fans is sort of focused on as being, you know, a potential breakout year in recruiting. So where do you see kind of Martin and his staff turning at this point to sort of finish out the class? And, uh, and, and is it enough to sort of get them ready to, to kind of where they want to go, which is, you know, build that more sustainable NCAA tournament team? 
obviously the big name out there still is Josh Christopher, and um, he's going to be out there for a while. I guess it came down this week that he doesn't plan to commit until his senior season's over. So if you're looking for a big splash from Missouri from a recruiting perspective, I think you're going to be waiting a while, and that's a probably a long shot for Christopher at this point anyways. I think that kind of goes back – to what you and I were just talking about with success on the court. Missouri has a really good opportunity this season to have a good year and show Josh Christopher, you're joining an already built program. You're not coming in to rebuild us. So that'll be an interesting name to follow. Obviously, Davion Bradford's been a name that's widely been considered at the top of Missouri's list for post players in 2020. And Missouri's kind of widely been considered at the top of his list. Uh, there's been a little bit of rumblings of possibly him going to prep school at uh, Sunrise Christian, where, where Javon Pickett and Trey Jackson both spent a year. And so where he ends up next year remains to be seen. Um, I think not to be too much of a Debbie Downer, but I, I, I would temper expectations on, on Davion Bradford regardless. Uh, I think the, uh, the ranking – is good obviously he's he's in the rivals 150 ranked i think top 130 in the country but i I don't think davion bradford's going to give you much if anything that jordan wilmore can't and and that's not necessarily heaping praise upon wilmore but just saying I, i think they're similar players as far as just a really big body with a lack of mobility and a lot of growing to do offensively so where they go after that, I really don't know. Konzo is kind of the king of operating under the radar, and uh, there's been a couple names they've been tied to in the past, but really not been tied to recently. You know, Scooby Johnson and the like. We haven't heard anything on those fronts in months. So, yeah, is that I, as frustrating for you guys at Power Mizzou as it is for us? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and. and frustrates our readers too you know i think i've gotten asked probably 10 times over the last month hey can we get an update on scooby johnson and frankly the answer is there is no update on scooby johnson you know if you don't hear anything for six months tying a player to a school there's probably not anything tying them to that school so it's probably for a reason yeah it's uh it's a tough one so i like i said i I don't know where missouri goes conzo is uh the king of stealth mode in recruiting yeah, so, and another thing that I would kind of want to piggyback, because uh, I do agree with your assessment of Davion Bradford. I, you know, I think he's got a, a good ceiling on him, but I I don't think he's, like, there's a reason why he's, like, 130 and, and not, like, in the top 50. Um, when you're seven feet tall, you should be a, a top 75 player almost automatically. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's, like, it, it's difficult for, um, you know, particularly at at the level that these guys are at, so... High school recruiting is is it's tough because most of the uh, leagues that you're playing, most of the teams that you're playing on, are very guard oriented, and especially AAU basketball. Um, a lot of guards like to shoot the ball, and uh, so they run a lot of plays for guards and wings, uh, and it's difficult for a lot of those bigs to kind of get involved. Um, and on top of that, like there's also this, this sort of myth. And I always like to sort of that a guy that's ranked in like the top 150 is so much better or different than a guy that's maybe ranked 300. And the reality is the difference between, uh, you know, the guy that's like 130th 
and the guy that's 300th is usually pretty small. There are differences and there are usually like signs that the guys that are doing the rankings pick out that they think the guy has a, maybe a higher ceiling or projects a little better. But a lot of it comes down to fit in the program, the next program that they're at, and, and whether or not that program can take advantage uh, and develop that player. Um, you know, I think you see it time and time again. Now, once you get into like the top 75, I think those guys are a little bit more likely <laughs> to be really good college players. But outside of the top 75, I mean, it can be a little bit more of a crapshoot. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, there's there's a very small margin between, you know, those 150 guys and the 300 guys. And when it when it comes to those guys, it's almost the ability to identify one certain thing that, hey, this guy does this really well. Can we mold the rest of his game to match that skill? And and sometimes when that skill's elite, that's when you jump up in the rankings. Take Ryan Kalkbrenner. He's an elite shot blocker. That is why Ryan Kalkbrenner was ranked as highly as he was at the end of the this ranking season because he blocked shots. There's not that much difference between Kalkbrenner and Davion Bradford. Kalkbrenner just blocks a lot more shots, and he's more mobile. So when you talk about that, it's, it's the ability of a coaching staff to just identify what they can work with on a player and what player is going to be a, a good fit for their system, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that a lot. And, and it's almost like interesting. The, the last couple uh, off-seasons, we've sort of heard Council Martin kind of mention Leonard Hamilton and some of his teams at, uh, at Florida State, including the team that ran Missouri off the floor in the NCAA tournament uh, a couple years ago. Um, and now I almost like look at the way Martin is building his roster, and here he is taking this, you know, lowly ranked seven foot three giant body dude i'm like it's almost like he's building his roster the same way that leonard hamilton did at at florida state and just said i'm just gonna get a bunch of big bodies and we're just gonna throw them at you for 40 minutes it's not a terrible idea i mean about looking locally again we almost see that to a lesser extent on the mid-major level with with the slew billikens here in st louis i mean travis ford just gets a bunch of big athletic dudes and says hey (laughs) we're gonna push you around for 40 minutes and you're gonna be tired by the end of it so i i'm hoping missouri can get maybe a little more skilled version of that style but that florida (laughs) state's mold that florida state mold is not a bad mold to uh to go after so uh, let's sort of turn our attention to the future. I mean, 2020, I think uh, we're probably looking, um, you know, at the class essentially kind of being um, not quite wrapped up maybe, but but certainly close. I don't I just don't think they have a lot of roster space uh, available. And if Josh Christopher wants to commit, uh, it doesn't matter when he wants to commit, like they'll find room for him. Um, but looking ahead to 2021, uh, and this is one of the things that, that I've, uh, and I mentioned it to you off air, is, is as much as we wanted 2020 to be sort of like a marquee class because of the, the guys that were there, like Cameron Fletcher and Caleb Love and Josh Christopher, uh, the reality is, is Missouri has a really, really important class in 2021. And it also happens to correspond with a class that the state of Missouri doesn't have a lot of real dudes in. Uh, in fact, in the state of Missouri itself, I think of only one that Missouri has really kind of been in, in close contact with. And, uh, and 
but even then, like they haven't offered anybody in the state. There's a couple guys uh, on the other side of the border. There's Tamar Bates and, and Casey Kay. Um, but w- what are their plans for 2021? What do you think they're going to try to do? Is is it all just about Michigan? Um, as far as 21, 2021 goes, uh, you know, there's a couple guys maybe they get involved with. There's uh, Jordan Nesbitt uh, reclassified to 2021 from 2020 he's at st louis christian academy um he's got some power five looks and and he's talented kid um not sure if missouri gets involved seems like if they were going to they already would have uh but you never know if they jump in as kind of maybe a backup option uh he's slipped kind of down in the rankings as his career's gone on so we'll see what develops there other than that you know i i don't see anybody that that really excites me. Um, pardon my pronunciation here, but Seiku Gasama from uh, from Desmet is a six nine six ten kid. He got a look from LSU last summer, I think, but there really hasn't been much on that front at this past summer or, or last high school season at all. So anytime a kid's six ten, you have to monitor it. But uh, I think right now he's probably a little bit below Missouri's level. Uh, and then 2022. So I, I know that uh, that Terrace Reed, um, we've talked about him on some podcasts here at Rock and Nation. Um, he's a kid that's kind of in that 2022 class, who's who I think has enough potential and could uh, could blow up uh, here, maybe over the next uh, year, year plus. Absolutely, I love Terrace Reed's game. Um, I was asked on on Power Missouri if I thought he was a top fifty player in his class, and I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, he he's not there right now, but uh, I said it every time I saw him last year, he was better than the last time I saw him. And for a freshman, that's a big thing just to show progress throughout the year. So I'll be really excited to see him at Chaminade this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see his numbers might not look too flashy just because that Chaminade team's got a ton of depth with Luke Kazuki and, and the like kind of taking the shots. But uh, I think Terrace is a fantastic player. I was really surprised he didn't get an offer um, out of his visit last weekend, but I'd be shocked if he didn't get one relatively soon. And if he didn't end up as a priority target in that 2022 class, yeah, see, he actually kind of reminds me a little bit of, of uh, you know, that sort of Tyler Cookie, Jay Liddell mold where, you know, he's he's sort of big body early. He's got some sneaky athleticism. Uh, when you kind of see him, you aren't quite sure how athletic he'll be, and then he, he does kind of surprise you uh, with how well he moves. And uh, it looks like he's kind of been working on his, his, uh, his jump shot a little bit. Uh, but I think he's got that kind of that that kind of similar upside. I think people were maybe a little uh, a little surprised at how effective or how good of a college player Tyler Cook was, you know, from the jump. But I always sort of felt he was a guy that was a little underrated because of you know who he played with uh, in high school, and it's kind of hard to break out when you know all the the spotlight is on a guy like Jason Tatum. Um, Tyler Cook's progression in college was tremendous, and uh, like it. If you watched that Chaminade team, which I know you did, um, it, Tyler Cook was just a rim ripper. I mean, he 
he stood in the paint and every time he touched the ball, he ripped the rim off the backboard. And <laughs> and that's yeah. all he did for that team. Uh, and then when he got to Iowa, he, he really developed as a player. You know, you saw him in a lot of dribble drive situations there and, and his ability to dunk with the left or the right was, was lethal for them. So it, it's great to see him playing in the league. And, and I do see a lot of similarities between, uh, between him and Terrace Reed and, I'd love to see Terrace Reed kind of get that Tyler Cook type mentality that that just every time he catches in the paint, he he's dunking the ball. And that's something that could you know strike a lot of fear into a lot of high school players because uh, like I think that term specifically is is a, a appropriate for Tyler Cook because it would just sort of be like he he was intent on trying to tear the bis- like the basket completely off the you know the wall. He, uh, was he was the trying to most dunk so hard. Ag- Sorry. <laughs> he, yeah, he was the most aggressive dunker I have ever seen in high school. I mean, it, he was determined that when he caught the ball in the paint, he was going to rip the basket down it, 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 every time. I mean, it was ridiculous. So are there any other uh, 2022 kids in the St. Louis area that we should be keeping an eye on? You know, I know that there is. Um, a, my mind is blanking a little bit terrace reed actually has a teammate um damian mayo who who is a kid that that hasn't gotten the looks yet but he's at least worth monitoring you know he got significant minutes for chaminade as a freshman last year really good frame he was about a 6-2 freshman with a with a thick body um if if i had to say who he reminds me of I, i'd almost compare him to if if any of you out there have seen Fred Thatch uh, that went that went to Sykeston and now goes to SLU. Just kind of a big-bodied, aggressive guard. Um, I'll be interested to see how how he develops. And then, you know, there's there's other kids out there, but but none that jump out the way that Reed does. That I can tell you that hey, they're a, they're a surefire Power Five kid that Mizzou needs to be all over. It, if there is, it, it's slipping my mind right now, and I apologize to whoever I'm forgetting. I think if memory serves, I think there's like a 2023 kid, uh, Hazelwood Central or something like that. But there is uh, Jaden Nicholson is uh, he's going to be a freshman at Hazelwood Central this year, so he's a 2023 kid. And uh, I think <laughs> that's getting somehow, so far out there. <laughs> oh, I, I know it's absolutely crazy, but I, I know Mizzou's already been at Central a couple times to see him, and uh, I know a couple outlets have him like top ten in his class. And if you've uh, I know fall league doesn't mean much, but uh, if, if you've seen any fall league highlights of the kid, he's special. And if you haven't seen the highlights, I highly recommend going to watch him. He's going to be some type of player. So uh, you got time to kind of hit up a few of these questions that we got from the uh, the folks on Twitter? Absolutely. And before we do that, I, I just want to mention one name uh, that I know I forgot for 2022. And it, he's a kid, again, that's, right now a little bit below Mizzou's uh Mizzou's level but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him because he does have a Mizzou tie and that's uh Kellen Thames who uh obviously is Kelly Thames son and uh he plays yeah. for his dad at Pattonville and uh he, he was he's about a 6-1 point guard last year for Pattonville and he's got a he's got a high ceiling so it's at least a name worth keeping an eye on so yeah let's get to those questions <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, anytime, like, like that's one of the things I feel like Missouri has like never really had is is like that that like lineage. Like the the, the only kid I could really remember coming through that's like oh like with lineage was Devin Booker 
uh, like take advantage of uh, of the family tie, and it's like it's right. almost like it's like with Nor- Norm Stewart, like he never built out like uh, a coaching tree, so it was like there was never anybody sort of coming back to sort of rescue the program after he left. So like, there's been a uh, couple. Like I know Steve Stepanovich had a had a kid that uh, went to Bradley, but like obviously that would have been a reach for Mizzou, and I mean I guess they got Mario McKinney, but uh, other than that, yeah, I mean there's not a lot of legacy there. <laughs> Uh, so so let's get to these questions. Um, we sort of already answered the first part of it, but I'm gonna, uh, at, at Crow Dog looks like he's probably a Chiefs fan by his avatar. Um, those those Kansas City uh, folks have a lot of uh, a lot of things to cheer about these days with the Chiefs. Yeah, I, um, I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he wants to know: Is Mizzou making a mistake by trying to target big names and losing rather than uh, trying to find maybe more diamonds in the rough? I wanted to get to this question as soon as I saw it come through because I think there's a misconception that you can't do both. Uh, you know, because Mizzou is recruiting Caleb Lovehard does not mean that they are not looking for diamonds in the rough. Because mm-hmm. Mizzou is recruiting Josh Christopher Hard does not mean that they're not every day attempting to find their backup plan for him. Uh, you know, that they obviously are putting their primary resources into these these kids and and sure i'm not saying that they don't miss on a lower level kid now and then because they weren't early enough to the game but missouri's gonna get the diamonds in the rough that they really want assuming that they go hard enough after them regardless of how they recruit the top kids they can do both it's just a matter of balancing it yeah i i agree with that i think that's one of the things like there's a really really big board in Kanza Martin's office where they uh, and the coaching staff meets regularly and goes over the board and they shuffle guys around, they move guys off, they move guys on. Uh, it is an ever uh, moving target and that's just what you have to do uh, with recruiting. So it'd be interesting to see like kind of what they do with the rest of uh, this class, if anything. Um, but we'll, we'll certainly be doing what we can to, uh, I guess, you know, read the writing on the wall as much as you can, right? With, with this staff. Um, Absolutely. Question, uh, question from uh, at Chester Barfer, Chester A. Barfer, good uh, Twitter follow if you want uh, lots of cynicism. He's one of my favorites. Um, he wants to know, uh, we're talking about what to expect from uh, the giant man who committed from uh, the skill factory. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming he's talking <laughs> about Jordan Wilmore because Jordan Wilmore is huge. Yeah, I... I couldn't help but laugh at that when it rolled through. But, uh, and he is a giant man. There is not going to be too many guys in college basketball bigger than Jordan Wilmore. Uh, what to expect from Jordan Wilmore? Not a lot. Uh, get get your expectations in based in reality. Uh, I think if you can get a Ryan Rosberg, Reed Nico type career from Jordan Wilmore, that's probably what Missouri would take. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those guys where now I've tried to find any kind of video and I know Matt had reached out actually to the Skill Factory to see if they could provide any sort of, you know, game video of uh, a little more recent, but everything's old. So we don't really know what he looks like at this point uh if he's gotten better. Um but when you're seven foot three and 250 pounds like you sit in front of the rim and you block shots like that's what you do (laughs) absolutely i mean i i 
I feel like my answer was maybe a little bit on the negative side. I'm actually probably a little higher on the Wilmore commitment than a lot of the people I've seen on our message boards, at least, are because of the fact that, hey, you're 7'3". Like, uh, you can make an impact on accident when you're that big. So uh, I think, you know, people people write off guys like Nico and Rosberg, but th- those type of guys have value, especially if uh, your starting center can only play 18 minutes a night with foul trouble. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're certainly going to find out if, uh, if Tillman has figured out how to stay on the, uh, the court a little longer. Um, and I thought we had way more questions. It turns out all my mentions are just people complaining about uh, Missouri missing on Caleb Love. Shock! <laughs> I cannot imagine Missouri fans complaining about uh, missing on a recruit. So since we don't have any more questions, um, I figure we could kind of take uh, a few more minutes just to sort of talk about where we think this program is headed. I think you are uh, on a similar wavelength as I am as far as like what we can expect maybe from this team this season. If they kind of don't make an NCAA tournament, I think you'll uh, be disappointed. I'll be disappointed. I think this team has that level of potential. Um where are you at as far as the overall program direction from Quanzo Martin? Because I, I know you kind of mentioned before that uh, you maybe uh, aren't quite as positive as a lot of people, um, maybe a little bit more realistic. I, I know that uh, I, I certainly kind of float back and forth depending on the day, but I'm, I'm kind of curious to see like what the uh, the, the general consensus uh, you know from you is like where you are with Quanzo Martin. Uh, for me, I think, you know, it's not that I'm low on Conzo Martin. It's that I tend to think that other people are too high on Conzo Martin. Um, if you look at the job that he's done so far, it's been very okay. Um, he got Michael Porter and Jonte Porter, obviously, but so would any coach not named Kim Anderson. Um, like, the, everyone knows that at this point, that the... the and th- and that is a that is a fact. Like it wasn't Conzo Martin that landed the portal. Right. It, it was not like it. It was obviously said in jest, but uh, it's also true. Any coach that was not named Kim Anderson was going to get the Porter brothers to come to Missouri, and obviously they didn't get the wins out of that that they were hoping for. Uh, both of them missing significant time with injuries, but you know that addition was what allowed them to get Jeremiah Tillman, who's obviously been a huge impact uh blake harris obviously transferred out so on and so forth but that got the ball rolling and since that happened i've not seen anything from conzo martin that tells me yes absolutely conzo martin is 100 percent going to get this program to where it needs to be um, and that's not to say that i don't believe he can because i do but he also doesn't have the history that tells me Hey, Missouri's going to be in the Sweet 16 three out of the next five years because he's never done that. He's always been average, and um, I I think he's a really good fit at the school, and I I really hope that he continues to have success. But we got to see some of these these big recruiting battles start to go his way, and we've got to start seeing on-the-court success. And that starts with, like you said, this year, uh, can they make the tournament? There's no reason they shouldn't be able to. They have the talent level. Yeah, and I I, I think I I agree with that take. So I've always sort of been in the, the standpoint, of, like I look at it like this. 
we know what we've seen from Consul Martin. Like, there's there's no way you can look at his record, uh, you know, since he's taken over power conference teams and say that he's been exceptional. He's been slightly above average. Um, so we, we sort of look at that as, as what Conzo's floor is. The defense for him comes from the standpoint of is what is the ceiling? And we don't really know what the ceiling is because he's only ever been at a program for three years. Sure. So in a way, like Conzo's career path, uh, I think in, in some ways ha- has limited what people know about him as a coach. And I think that we're still in this phase where we look at his record, uh, even the last couple of years at Missouri. And while I think he's done a good job, um, there hasn't necessarily been anything that we've witnessed other than the fact that he's completely changed his offense and and offensive approach to uh, see that he is going to be the guy that's going to help Missouri break through. Now, the belief, and I think this is the bet that Jim Sterk is making, is that Conzo does have another level to him. And uh, it ultimately, like, this is going to be kind of Sterk's hire. Uh, if Conzo Martin spends the next 10 years at Missouri and they spend 10 years kind of going 20 and 13, um, I think that's there. At some point, like, the natives are going to get restless. And I don't think it's going to take 10 years. Uh, but if he's able to. Like, as I was kind of mentioning before, let's say the next two or three years, they make the NCAA tournament. But, you know, it's only eight seed, nine seed. Then that year, maybe five, six, seven are the years that they really kind of need to be able to take another step. Uh, or or it's, it's, it's an area where you need to start thinking about long-term vision. Is Consul Martin the right guy? Or has he actually seen his ceiling? So I think that... I think we're that's kind of where we both are. Do you think that's fair? Is, yeah. Is, I don't want to put words in no, your mouth. No, <laughs> I agree with you 100%. I think you made two really good points there. The first being that he's completely overhauled his offense um, because, frankly, that's been what's kind of hold, held back his teams in the past is that he's uh, been a little bit behind the ball on the offensive evolution going on in basketball. And uh, I think he's, he's getting up to speed with that and maybe even trying to get ahead of it. And I think that's a, a great step in the right direction for this program. And like you also said, uh, we don't know his ceiling yet because he hasn't had that longevity at a program. And I think Missouri is going to be that program where he has that. And uh, it'd be a really great thing if he showed that his ceiling is higher than um, where he's shown it to be thus far in his career. Yeah, I think ultimately, like what he needs to accomplish at Missouri is is he needs to make sure that Missouri is solidified as like a top three or four program in the SEC. Like I, you're never going to usurp Kentucky, right? Um, as long as as long as Cal's there, I mean, who knows? They they might bomb their next hire and and send the program to the toilet. But uh, we all know like Kentucky has unlimited money that they can just hire whoever they want. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, but can you, can you challenge sort of Florida for two? Can you, um, you know, take a, a foothold with maybe Tennessee at three, uh, and, and hold off some of these other programs that I think are kind of vying for those spots and, and with legitimate coaches who have achieved things like final fours. And it's so important to keep those expectations realistic while also setting them high enough, because, uh, you know, I think people that are expecting Missouri to make final fours 
consistently are delusional. I mean, it's not going to happen. They don't have the resources. They don't have the history. If they can be, like you said, a top four team in the conference, that's fantastic for them. You know, even if they have some top six finishes, top eight finishes mixed in, if they can regularly be in that top four, Conzo Martin has done a really good job at Missouri, if that's the case. Yeah, I think long term, that's probably where because yeah, I, I, I do agree. Like, I think some Missouri fans maybe expect us to at some point become like regular national title contenders. I just think there's too much money in the SEC right now. And who knows what this like whole likeness thing is going to impact. And like by 2023, we may have a completely different look to college basketball. But uh, when you look at like the amount of money that, that some of these SEC schools are spending, like there's too much going around for you to just like choose to be like the second or third best team. Like you really have to have to hope that, you know, Konzo is able to build a consistent product that he's able to sort of, you know, compound uh, with consistency. So, um, and you know, who knows, maybe Bruce Pearl gets thrown in NCAA jail. Here <laughs> but it would not and... be the least bit surprising. <laughs> Uh, well, AJ, I'm going to let you get out of here. We are kind of running up against time. Um, I appreciate your coming on. Uh, everybody, go give AJ a follow on Twitter um, at uh, AJ underscore blank 13. Uh, also, uh, if you are not a Power Mizzou subscriber, uh, you should be. Uh, he does a lot of good writing over there. Most of it's behind a paywall, unfortunately. So, uh I'm sure, AJ, if you want to tweet out a link later, uh, I'll give that a retweet for, for people to be able to sign up for Power Mizzou. Uh, any other things that you're working on that people should know about? I Not really. Like you said, hey, just give uh, give Power Mizzou a follow and a subscription if if you're so inclined. Uh, any questions about the paywall directed to uh, Gabe DeArmond, not to me. Uh, <laughs> but no, Sam, I appreciate you having me on. It's always great to talk basketball, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Uh, we will certainly see like Rocket Nation, uh, Power Mizzou. We all actually get along in real life. It's it's. Uh, I, I think the competitive thing is uh, a little overblown. We like each other, right? Absolutely. Hey, no, no <laughs> bad blood on my part. I'm new to this thing, anyways. So uh, yeah, go give AJ a follow. Uh, make sure if you are not already subscribed to uh, this podcast, the Rockham Nation family of podcasts, do so. Uh, you can do so uh, online at uh, iTunes or uh, Google Play Store. Uh, and coming your way very soon will be another podcast from uh, our good friend Nate Edwards with a Before the Box Score previewing the Troy game. I think he has a very special guest, so I look forward to that. Uh, so until next week, uh, I will be back with probably back with Matt uh, J. Harris and talk more dive cut stuff. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. So thanks for tuning in, y'all. Bye.